Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. All right, one more thing before we get started. Whether this is your first time listening to the podcast or you've been listening for over a year now, if you have really loved an episode or a series of episodes, would you mind going to iTunes, subscribing to the podcast, leaving a five-star rating and a written review? Okay, I know it's like super weird. I'm like, can you leave me a compliment? Like, it feels like weird and I'm sweating even just asking you that. But why it blesses us so much is the more ratings and reviews we get, the more our podcast is searchable in iTunes, which is so fun. So would you take a minute, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review? I would just be so grateful for that. A recent review we got from a girl named Kat says... Kat Harris is quickly becoming my go-to gal for navigating life and love. Her vulnerability and humor are sure to pick you up, dust you off, and get you back in the race every time. Her perspective is fresh and challenging, especially in her solo episodes. Thank you, Kat, and keep it up. Kat, we have the same name. I love it. Thank you so much for your encouragement. So friends, take a minute, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review, and I would love to share it on next week's episode. Thanks so much. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and we're doing something new today. I have two ladies on the podcast that I'm chatting with, Mac and Kenz. I've never had two people on the show at once, so there's first time for everything. Ladies, I'm so excited y'all are here with me today. Yeah, podcast party. There's three of us. Yay. Podcast party. I love it. (laughs) People are always like, what's podcasting like? And I'm like, it's kind of like being on a blind date on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're just hoping that it goes well. And I know it totally will. Um, And you guys have a podcast. Yeah. We do. Yes, we have a podcast. It is new, but it's called For the Girl. And um, each week we kind of unpack like a specific specific topic that's like related to a certain girl. So like this first season, we did a bunch of dating things. And Mm. it was like for the girl who's independent, for the girl who's Mm. committed, all these different things. So super fun. I love that. And is there, was there one episode that like surprised you in the sense of like everyone wanted that content. Like what was like that one episode this last season that you're like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, good question. Okay. At the end, the very last episode, we interviewed a bunch of our guy friends (laughs) because the rest of it was just girls, obviously for the girl. And it was amazing. We honestly thought it was going to be just like a big joke and they were just going to mess around about like girls. We had some funny questions asked them, but they were so serious. They were like straight up trying to impress all the girls listening. Yeah. And they were basically. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to level up. They're trying to get to your level. They're like, all right, like these boss ladies, podcasters. Yeah. I mean, literally every question we asked them, they like clarified who it was that was speaking just so they could like get the credit. Yeah, (laughs) They're like, into the mic. This is Justin Bieber answering the question. It was pretty. What was, what was your favorite response from the guys? Ooh. Okay. I think my favorite thing just from, they said so many good things, but my favorite thing is, so we have the whole uh, season one of the podcast was built off these types that we have from a dating quiz that we created. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's six different types. 
And about five minutes before the podcast started, Ken's and I were like, oh, it would be so funny if each of the guys shared like what type they are. But none mm-hmm. of them had taken the quiz or anything like that. But we just kind of explained each of the six types. Mm-hmm. And then not even getting the whole podcast long, they kept being like, well, because I am the committed, I <laughs> yeah. blah, 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 like took on and on. Of it. They <laughs> literally amazing. like all of them, the whole podcast long kept owning their types. And yes. it really kind of created cool conversation because it was like less generic dating things and kind of really made it deeper. So it was pretty great and also entertaining. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like when people take the Enneagram yeah, and then yeah. they're like, well, because I'm a three, I da, 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 da. Or, well, I'm a four. So I just like deep conversations. Like, yeah, that's exactly how it went. It was hilarious. (laughs) You know, it was also really funny is the guys like all together, they thought that it's best for the girl to make the first move. Oh yeah. That was surprising. Yeah. Super surprising. Like they collectively like wanted the girl to make the first move. Okay. I think it is fascinating that you say that because I just finished interviewing 10 men from all over the United States. And by the time this episode goes live, we'll already be like midway through that series. Okay. But I took the top 15 questions that women sent me and I was like, I could answer these just kind of like what you guys are saying, or I could just go to these stellar dudes cross country and ask them the same questions. And I was fascinated at, first of all, like, I don't know if you guys felt this in your conversation, but like we as women, I think there's a lot of frustration. It's like, well, we're all the guys. Why aren't they asking girls out? Man up. And all of these conversations that are honestly prideful and mm-hmm. a victim mentality and not trusting God, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, like the guy, every single guy married or single pastor or just like a normal dude was like, I'm so afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think you are so amazing. And I'm so scared of you rejecting me that it would, it's like, unless I have a green light from you, then I like the rejection isn't worth putting myself out there. And yeah. I just had this like, light bulb moment of like, man, guys are just as scared as girls are. Like we all are scared of rejection because we also as women don't want to be rejected. So I think we can hide behind, well, I want the guy that's a Christian leader and I want him to pursue. And so we are like hiding in our prayer closets. Like, why isn't he asking me out? (laughs) Meanwhile, he's like, she like, First of all, he might not even know you're around because all you're doing is hanging out with your girlfriends. Yeah. But then it's like, he's afraid of rejection and you're not giving him like anything. So I, that was like one of my biggest things I was so intrigued by because it kind of like blew out of the water, like this whole Christian mentality of like the guy has to make the move. Um, How was it for you guys? Like what exactly did they say was like making a move? And were you like shocked that they said that? Yeah, no, totally. And I think you're onto something. It's not necessarily that the girl needs to like full on, like go on a date. Yeah. (laughs) They just need to like give them a little encouragement, like Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I think you're cute too. Or like, Mm -hmm. I'm into this or spark a conversation or like, just give them like a little ounce of courage. And then like, I think with a little ounce of courage, they'll like take it and run with it. Like it builds their confidence and yeah, it's a, I, yeah. I'm honestly, so Mac is like super, this is kids, but Mac is super guarded when it comes to guys. And I'm mm. always like, Mac, come on, you got to like flirt a little. Like, you're <laughs> yes. there. And she's yeah. like trying to mess it up the carriage. So it was kind of fun. I love what you did. We had said. a pet talk yesterday at breakfast about it, actually. So yeah. funny. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's easy to like talk about it outside the situation. So many women come to me and are talking about this week. I've been on Instagram talking all about setups and I'm just so shocked that the general consensus is I want to be set up, but I'm terrified of it not working out. I'm afraid of my friends thinking I'm desperate. I'm ashamed of wanting to be in a relationship because isn't God supposed to be enough? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Mac, do any of those fears resonate with you? 
in that conversation? Yeah, no, it's so funny. You talk about setups. Like I, for some reason, I feel like I am the girl that like all my friends are trying to set me up in this season of life, which is pretty funny. (laughs) Um, And I, I definitely feel that, that, that fear of like, oh my gosh, like what if it doesn't work out? And Mm -hmm. it is, can be kind of as like I get older and like some of my friends are in more serious relationships. A lot of my friends are married, things like that. You do kind of feel like the odd man out, like, shoot, I'm the mm. one that still needs to be like set up on dates with like random people. Mm. But I feel like every time I've like been set up with somebody, they're really just like fun. It's a good exercise in dating. Mm. It's a good exercise in just like figuring out like what personality types go well with each other. And I don't know, I always feel like, I've been set up quite a bit, honestly. And I always feel Mm -hmm. like they're always a fun experience, a good story. And like, I think it's so good for women to get outside of their comfort zones. You're so right. We love to sit and talk with our girlfriends about how none of the guys like are asking us out and all these things. But then when like push comes to shove and it's time for like us to have to put ourselves out there too, we're like, no, we can't do it. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's so good for both men and women to kind of have to get outside of their comfort zones. And I think setups are a great way to do that. Yeah. And I think just de-escalating the pressure. Like I always say dating is a curb, not a cliff. Yeah. Like what if it was just coffee, not a proposal? Like (laughs) what? Like, okay. Like what if my mindset was, oh my gosh, like all this is, is I get to hang out with another human that God created and God loves. So God doesn't create boring. So there's no such thing as boring. And I just get to spend time, maybe an hour, maybe two hours getting to know someone as opposed to, is this my husband? Is this going to be the one? And if it's not, then that says something about me. Yeah, Um, totally. I just wonder like what would shift in our lives and in our dating culture if we like removed some of that pressure. Yeah, for sure. We'd probably approach it and we'd probably be way more ourselves too. And those first couple of hangs, which is important. Like that's where the connection is made too. So, okay. Well, speaking of dating, (laughs) I specifically brought you guys on here because you guys are so incredible at community building with your organization, Delight Ministries. I love what you guys are doing for college women. And honestly, post-college women need this just as much. Cause I mean, you guys know, like you're out of college, it's hard to make friends when you're not in college. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It so is. tell me a little bit about what you guys are up to and why you started it and all the things. Yes. Um, so yeah, like you said, we run an organization called Delight Ministries. It's a college women's ministry. So we have chapters. The main thing of what we do is we have chapters at different college campuses across the country. This fall semester, we're going to be launching on about a hundred, close to 150 chapters um, mm, at wow. universities all across the country. They meet weekly and basically form this like powerful, safe place where women can come and feel known and loved. You know, college is hard. There's so much pressure and weightiness mm. around it. So to be able to have this place where they can feel safe to like talk about these heavy things on their heart as mm. well as like pursue Jesus together, build each other up. Um, it changes a lot. Like I really believe like who you become in college changes a lot of your future. So, um, it's been really powerful outside of our chapters. We also try to resource college women in general, hence why we have our podcast, um, some extra curriculum resources, things like that Mm -hmm. outside of it. So yeah, our main thing is college women and reaching them. That's super powerful. I know, I was an athlete in college. My whole life revolved around practice schedule and tournaments and study hall. And it wasn't what I always thought it would be. It wasn't like the best years of my life. It was really lonely. I had a hard time finding my crew. And I just remember it being like, there were times where I was like, oh my gosh, like, why is it so hard to make friends? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just so glad y'all are doing it. And I think in alignment with that, before we started recording, we were talking about this idea of calling, like, what does it mean to know my calling? What is calling? How do I pursue my calling? And even what does it look like to acknowledge? I think so many women that listen to this, myself included, I want to be married and mm-hmm. even a lot of women are like, I feel called to marriage. And so in that 
I, what I've seen a lot is women either not chasing their dreams, not pursuing calling, or just kind of like waiting for their lives to start. Like, like this diamond ring is going to like magically go on their finger. And then all of a sudden their life is purpose filled. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear from you guys, like, what do you think calling is and how do we get there? Yeah. We like, so love this question, especially like I think it's so true. I mean, even with college women, I mean, we hear all the time, like we live in the South. And so the whole like ring by spring is so real and true. And so many women just kind of like putting their lives on hold, putting their purpose, putting their passions on hold Mm. and just like waiting. And we kind of got like frustrated with this period of like waiting for this like future love story to unfold mm. and wanted to actually like create a resource for for women especially college women um that kind of flips that on its head and say like hey let's stop waiting and like let's really use this time to prepare and i think you prepare by stepping into this idea of purpose and passion and um mm. so it's really been a, like a fun journey for us and um we're like have just so grown throughout this journey as we've tried to like identify like what are the things that really help you to use this time, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're not in a relationship, mm-hmm. whether you've never dated anyone, whether you've had a million and one boyfriends, like whatever it is, like how can you use this time to like really step into purpose? And so like we kind of identified five things that have really been with us on the journey and um, we're excited to, to get to share some of them today. Yeah. 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 So I think before going into that, what do you think both of you, what do you feel like your calling is or do you know what your calling is? Wow. That's a good question. That's so good. You know, it's easy to default to be like, Oh, it's a delight. I'm already like doing it. And in some senses that's true. Like I really do feel like deep in my spirit. And I think you know this too, when you're living out your calling, you feel like a security, you feel like a confidence, you feel God like working a lot in your everyday life when you're living out your calling. And I think I I do, like I I feel that now. So I think in some sense, I totally am living out my calling as far as like my future calling and where I'm headed on it. In all honesty, I don't know if I've like totally defined what more God has for me, like past Mm -hmm. this. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that kind of puts, me in the shoes of an everyday person, like even back in college too. Like, I don't know, I don't have like a big plan or dream for my future, just figuring it out day by day. And I think there's, but I am like, like Mac was saying, there's so much that I'm doing right now to like put myself in a position to figure that out. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Kins? Yeah. I think for me, it's kind of been, you know, I am so the girl. I've always been like, you know, achiever mindset of like wanting mm-hmm. to do awesome big things. And so it's always been easy for me to kind of like define my calling based off what I do, like Ken said, which would be delight right now. But I think like even if I dig deeper and I dig beyond that, like there's really like two things that I think as long as they're always present, then um, I will know that I'm like right in the center of my calling. And um, I kind of boil it down to, to like the two things would be loving and serving. Like mm-hmm. if there's always an opportunity for me to love deeply, like to have community around me that like are like calling me to love them and like loving me in return. I feel right in the center of my purpose and mm-hmm. then serving like I so believe and it doesn't have to be like volunteering at soup kitchens and things like that. Like I think like having space in your purpose to like really Uh, be pouring into other people and like leading a life that matters through serving. So Mm. um, for me, like passion or purpose is really marked by those two things. And right now that's delight because it's such this opportunity to like love and serve women and to like be loved and honestly to be served in return too. Um, Mm. So I think that's like kind of in my life what right now, at least what purpose feels like. I love that you kind of narrowed it down to like those base things of love and service, because I think we talk about calling and it can almost feel like paralyzing at times. Like, what if I get it wrong? Like, what if I, I like at least like, I remember being post-college trying to decide if I wanted to take this job out in California. And I was putting so much pressure on myself to be like, I gotta like hear God's 
voice. And if, if I'm like, I have to make sure this is my calling. And I, cause if I do this and it's not it, then I blow up the whole thing and it's, mm-hmm. it's wrong. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not like listening to God or whatever. And I remember someone in my life, I can't remember who said like God moves through our movement. And sometimes we don't know our calling until we just start moving. Like, and sometimes it takes figuring out what you don't want to do to figure out what you do want to do. And what I love about what you said, the purpose is marked by love and service is that kind of is like the base level, like framework. So like, like for me, my, my vision is to empower women to embrace their beauty, identity, and value through storytelling. So I believe that I'm here. That is a huge part of my calling and purpose. So then that's the framework. So everything funnels through that. So then whether I am on set shooting an editorial cover for a magazine or I'm recording a podcast or I'm out on the street talking to a stranger, like every everything then becomes a vehicle for the message. And it, it's not, does then does not have to be confined by a job title yeah. um, or a relationship status. Yeah. That's so good. That's so true. It's so, your calling is so much beyond those like set in stone things that we have planned for our future. It's just Mm -hmm. like an everyday, like integrating like that into your everyday. Yes. All right. So I am so curious at your five Mm -hmm. tools and tips to unpacking your calling and purpose and your current season. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, yes. Um, and I love that this is a kind of a part of your life vision statement. But the first, and we think this is so important, is the first is simply to solidify your identity. Like you have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think this looks different for everybody, but um, kind of like my own personal story. So um, Ken's and I met at Belmont University, which is in Nashville. And if you know Belmont, it's like a big music school. Pretty much everybody, every freshman moves in with a guitar in their dorm room. <laughs> and I came... Embarrassing. I know, honestly. I came to school like wanting to be a singer-songwriter, a country singer, actually, which is pretty hilarious. Yes. <laughs> there's some deep We're amazing. Cuts. Yeah, there's yeah. some deep cuts out on the internet if you really Google hard enough. Oh, um, you know that I am like... A professional Googler, I will find that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe at the end of the podcast, she'll give us a little glitch, you know? A little, like, oh, please. But, like, wait, I'm did you want to be like Taylor Swift? I yeah. mean, yeah, t- pretty much. <laughs> but I, I was like, I'm from the mountains in North Carolina, so like, very, like, I really picked it up there that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to like, write songs. I'm going to like get the record deal. I wanted to do all that. And you know, when you're growing Mm -hmm. up and people tell you you're good at things, you're like, really you hold on to that. And you're like, wow, it's like, people think I'm a good singer. People think I'm a good songwriter. Like, oh my gosh, this must be who I am. And Mm -hmm. so I got to college. And then, like I said, like pretty much everybody does music at Belmont. And Mm -hmm. suddenly the thing that was special and unique to me suddenly became what everybody else was good at too. Mm. And it really caused me to have this like huge identity crisis, which sounds dramatic, but I think all of us go through it when we realize that we've placed who we are in like what we're good at rather than like really like diving through like, and like pulling back all of like the muck and what people have said all these years to really Mm. figure out who we are. And for me, like my journey, like really solidifying my identity, like really came through my faith. And it really was Mm -hmm. like finding out who Jesus was. And that really like spoke identity over me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that like all of us going on this journey to like not say that who we are is what we do or not say Mm -hmm. that who we are is how we've like achieved things or Mm -hmm. even like how we failed in the past, like who we are is um, something that is like a personal journey we all have to go on. Um, for like for me, like I said, I found that through my faith, and I really found that through like honestly sitting in the parking garage outside of my dorm room and like crying and praying and being like, Lord, who am I? Mm-hmm. And um, it was a long journey, but it's so cool to now know that like. I can fail tomorrow. I can like become president tomorrow, but like my identity will not change. And um, I think that's super important when it comes to women who are often really likely to put their identity in a relationship too. That before mm-hmm. you step into a relationship, like you know who you are and whose you are, like without another person in the picture. So that's 
the first big thing, solidifying your identity. Yeah. I just to add to, I think a clear sign um, to know if like your identity is misplaced is if you feel like you're constantly striving. Yeah. Like um, striving in all those areas of your life. Like it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then Mac could say for herself, like she was like to make music happen eventually became this like constant day in and day out striving. That's so exhausting. It'll run you empty. So I think for anybody who's like, oh my gosh, is my, do I know my identity? If you find yourself like always striving, I think that's a clear sign. Oh, that's such a great point and super convicting, especially living in a city like New York where the culture and atmosphere here is, it's like hustle, hustle, prove. Everyone has their nine to five and their side hustle and it's amazing and it's expiring and expiring. That's like a Freudian slip. It's inspiring (laughs) because you're constantly challenged to be like doing more and creating more. But I think you're so right. Like there's, you can be driven and have ambition, but it's that like churning below the surface. Like if I can't rest, like if I am just crushed, if I don't get the social media following that I think I should have because of what I'm doing, whatever that may be. And Mm -hmm. one question that I've asked myself at different times, definitely in college when I quit college tennis, because my whole life I was known in my hometown because I was a tennis player, even just kind of what you're saying about music, like you're the best in your town. And then you go to a college where everyone was the best in their town. That's how it was being an athlete. I was Mm. number one always in my hometown. And then you become a collegiate athlete at D1 school and everyone was number one in their hometown. And my identity was completely wrapped up in achieving. And I remember when I quit tennis, I just went through this identity crisis. I was like, do I matter without achieving? And I think that's such a common human experience. And I always ask myself, stripped away from all the titles, like, let's say everything tomorrow goes away. Do I still matter? And Mm -hmm. if I struggle to answer that question, then there's that what you're saying. There's that striving or that seeking that validation externally. So I love that. Solidify your identity. That's so good. Yeah, so good. I love what you had to say. Also, I Mm got to say, like, now that I know you're an athlete, changes the game in this conversation (laughs) like that's like next level cool yeah that's that's amazing okay anyway um the second thing um that we identified that helps or that you should like do before stepping into your calling is um i think healing from your past um i think it's just important like you can so easily take so much baggage of who you were or who you grew up as into like new seasons of your life. And it's just a scary thing to do. And I think it's important to like identify and unpack your past before stepping into something new. Um, I was in a long-term relationship. I was with a guy for like five years, which is crazy. And um, yeah, it was a big part of my story. It's a big part of my story in college and stepping in, we broke up like the year I got out of college and moving into this like new season. If I would have just like jumped into that and like, would have just like moved on too quickly. I think I would have just like, I wouldn't have been able to experience this calling with so much freedom and so much mm-hmm. joy. It would have felt a lot more heavy. Um, and so yeah, I think it's so important to like identify those things. And I think whatever form it takes, it might be a breakup. It might just be like, who knows? It might be the way your parents treated you, have friends you had growing up that hurt you. Like there's a number of different things. I think it's just so crazy how our past affects us. Like this is mm. funny, but I'm from Southern California and I moved to Nashville eight years ago, but I literally still so much identify with California, which is absolutely hilarious. Like I still feel like I have a Valley girl accent, still obsessed with like pale and like, yes. <laughs> Wait, where are you from? I'm from uh, Manhattan beach. <gasps> oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, I, knew I, I knew that I felt a kindred spirit to you. I know. <laughs> I feel you too. <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny. Like even that in itself, like 
I'm like still carrying my past with me. And that's of course not a negative thing, but like Mm. it just is a clear sign that like we all carry a lot from our past. And if it is a negative thing, it's probably affecting your everyday. So it's just so Mm. important to unpack that. Let God or whatever it is, search you, search yourself to like be able to move forward. So. Raise your hand, girl, if you have ever been stuck in the friend zone, or if your dating life looks more like the Sahara Desert, or if Christian dating in general ever feels like a hashtag struggle fest. Girl, I get it. I see you and I've so been there, but it doesn't have to be this way. I truly believe this year can be a year of breakthrough in your singleness. I've had the privilege of equipping thousands of single women as they journey towards freedom and wholeness in their season of singleness. It is actually possible to be a woman of faith in today's swipe right and swipe left culture and proactively date with intention, honor, and clarity. And I have a free online workshop coming up where I will be teaching you just this. It's called the three biggest breakthroughs that will transform your dating life. So if you're ready to get equipped to navigate dating culture as a woman of faith, then go to bit.ly slash the TRW three things. That's bit.ly slash the TRW three things to reserve your seat in my free workshop, the three biggest breakthroughs that will transform your dating life. when you were talking, what came to my mind is there's a quote. It's like your, your greatest pain becomes your greatest purpose. And I just remember, gosh, I've said this on this podcast so many times. People are probably like, stop quoting this. (laughs) But my old pastor used to say, do you want to know someone's greatest source of struggle or pain? look at what their message is, look at what they're preaching and like our biggest pains, the biggest truths that we need to hear are the message that we're then sharing with the world. And I think, especially when you're coming from a place of like, well, before I was walking with God or now I, and now I am like, we're so ashamed of our past. Mm -hmm. And I think that creates such a block for moving forward as opposed to what if like we really took the Bible at its word in the sense that even what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use for good. And God uses all things together for the good of those who love him. Like, so that means that I don't have to like shy away from my past. I don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be ashamed of it, but I can heal from it. Um, As opposed to like, let's just lock that away in a corner and never talk about it. And then we're like, why am I stuck in all these other areas of my life? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. It's so true to like, unpack it because like if you don't if you just stuff it down like you still carry it with you and like mm. it becomes dead weight rather than like like what you talk about like like lightweight that suddenly is like becomes mm. part of your story becomes part of your purpose and your calling and so I think that's so good you have to be able to to heal from that yeah and you gotta like one thing that we really identified helps in this process of unpacking is to stop blaming somebody else or blaming a situation and start to take ownership of it I think that's just like a tangible way like Mm. whatever it was however your past worked out like it might have been somebody else's fault but let's just like rewrite the story and like start taking ownership of because in one some way like everybody has a part of the circumstances Mm. to take ownership of that and like move forward, I think will really help in the process. Mm. That's so good. I love that. Oh, powerful. (laughs) All right. Number three. So this one is really, really important. And this is to grow spiritually mature. And one of the biggest lessons that Ken's and I had to realize in our own journey was that stepping into our calling meant that our life was probably going to look different than the people around us. Mm. Um, like we in college, you know, all of our friends were out having a good time. Like I always say like all my friends are out like making out with boys, ever new mm-hmm. boys on the weekends. They're out like doing all these crazy fun, wild things. And Ken's and I were seriously like not being boring, but like we were working hard on this dream that God had placed in our hearts. Like we mm-hmm. really wanted to um, make delight. It was just a small Bible study when we were in 
college, but we've had a dream to see it on, you know, hundreds of college campuses. And so like any free time we had was dedicated to that. And Mm. that process really helped us to mature so much faster than I think the people Mm. around us. Like, you know, we're here at 26 and we're both like running an organization. We are both like eight years into our leadership journey, like all of these things that Mm -hmm. so many of the people that are our age are kind of like barely stepping into. Mm -hmm. And I think we realized too, that like, you know, all of us, if we're like waiting on this like future love story or like this one day husband or whatever it is, um, we think of waiting as kind of like a still thing. Like you're just sitting there and waiting, Mm -hmm. but we so believe in active waiting. Like you can actively wait with God. And we believe that like what you do while you wait matters so much um, because what you do while you wait really yields what happens in your future. And so like, if you're like sitting there, like living it up or but being a bum or like not like taking steps towards your calling, then like chances are whoever you're going to attract in the future is going to be like the same way. And like, Mm. I always say like, I want a stud, like a stud one day, meaning like not just like good looking, but like, I want someone who's like matured. They've like gone after their calling. They've really stepped into it. And so I think that that's Mm. so important. And just like this reminder that what you do while you wait matters and mm-hmm. um, maturity and like, especially spiritual maturity, it really looks like growing in your faith. It looks like diving into community. It looks like, you know, self-awareness, like growing in things like that. And I think it's so important that we like take the time now when we maybe feel immature and feel like a little bit of that imposter syndrome, but just keep like stepping a foot forward on this like journey to growing more mature and growing spiritually mature. So that's like been one of the biggest ones for us. Yeah. Even just as you're saying, when you're talking about active waiting, I'm, I instantly thought of, I do this cycle class every Monday night and it's a competition one, which is perfect for me. Cause I always want to win everything. Oh yeah. I'm like, I will win. <laughs> um, and so there's five games, but basically how you win is during the recovery, you make it active. So you're waiting for the next game to start, but you're not just sitting there only like toweling off or stopping your pedal speed. You're taking a breather, but you're still moving. Yeah. And I love like that mental picture that I, that I get about that of just, yeah, you can be in recovery and that's active. Like self-awareness, what you're saying, like how do you create spiritual growth in your life by seeking God, seeking community and seeking self-awareness? Like self-awareness is a very exposing journey. (laughs) Like going to therapy, telling your friends when you're struggling, seeking God, like what does that even look like? Entering into prayer, creating space in your day-to-day life to ask questions. What do I really believe about this? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about life? Like all of those things, what you're saying, like spiritual growth, just like anything, isn't going to accidentally happen. Mm-hmm. We don't accidentally run a marathon. Like that takes time and intention. So I love that idea of active waiting. Yeah, that's so good. I love your image of the cycle class. That's so true. And it's, yeah, I love that. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the fourth one that we came up with was that you need to stop comparing. Oh, that's a word. That's a word. (laughs) It's one of those things we've heard a lot, obviously, but it's still a huge And we still like, we've kind of normalized it though. Like I think Mm. we still do it day in and day out. And if there's one thing that Mac and I have learned a lot about, it's this because we've basically grown up together um, over the last, Mm. like, like our early twenties, we spent right next to each other and are easily compared and compare each other. Mm. Um, So we've learned so much about this. And I think, um, I think a one solution to overcome comparison is to identify what's stealing that joy. Like they say, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, mm. And so we've got to identify like what is stealing your joy and flipping mm. that on its head, bringing that to light. 
um, mm. I think we'll be able to overcome it that way. Um, but yeah, comparison is just such a scary thing. It's literally like turning up the volume of the enemy's voice in our life. Um, I think that it's important to celebrate others instead. Like an antidote to mm. comparison is definitely celebrating them. Like, mm. like starting to just be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Um, and yeah, it's a huge step to getting to your calling is being able to identify who you're comparing to and putting mm. that on its head. Um, and yeah, one day you should hope that you should be able to cheer like everybody else on and still like recognize what you like are fully capable of achieving. So, yeah, I think when you get so caught up in the comparison cycle too, you lose focus on what's right and best for you too. Like you become so obsessed with what's right and best for other people that it starts shifting your perspective for yourself. Mm. And you can often end up in like a calling that's not yours. And like, Mm. sad is that? Like that really makes us sad. And so Ken's and I always joke that like, you know, for our one day husbands, like we're always like, I hope your husband is like way cooler than mine. But like the same time, like I know like my husband is like so perfect for me or like Mm -hmm. whatever it is that like we are tending to compare. That's kind of what we realize is that like what's right and perfect for her is not going to be what's right and perfect for me. And that is like the beauty of me being able to celebrate like her gifts because when Mm -hmm. I celebrate her gifts, it gives me freedom to like really step into like my unique gifts. That's so, that's such a great point. And I think of it as this idea of like, what does it look like to stay in my lane? Yeah. And like, I always get this picture in my head of like, God is like, keep your eyes on me. And he's like grabbing me by the face and is like, eyes right here, cat. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Keep your eyes right here and stay in your lane because the grace for my calling is not going to be the grace for your calling. Like we, we have different, like every single person has a different like grace placed over their life and a different sphere of influence. And I mean, just last week I had to have a conversation with a dear friend who has a podcast that's way bigger than mine. And I was like, girl, I'm jealous of you. Like, (laughs) I just have to tell you that because I love you and you're my friend and we're running together. But like, I see your numbers and I just get jealous. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh my gosh, I get jealous of you because of X, Y, Z, you know? And I was just like, man, what an interesting thing. Like comparison literally stops me from like, pursuing my calling. It isolates me from relationship with people I love. And I had this like conviction moment where I feel like God was like, what if instead of you viewing this person and being jealous or thinking less of yourself, like you saw it as, wow, look what's possible. Look what they're doing. Whoa. If, if that's possible for them, like, God, what do you have for me? Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to seeing like, I'm a failure because my numbers aren't what this other person's are like celebrating her, like y'all are saying, and then being like, whoa, if it, if God can do that for her, like, I know God wants good things for me. So God, let's, let's, let's see what you have. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love that. It's so, so good. Number five, last one. I love these, by the way. (laughs) This one's our favorite one. Yes, this is the one. And when it comes to calling, like we all talk about calling till we're blue in the face, but like it comes down to like, you have to step into your passions. Like Mm -hmm. Ken's and I have a, we both love matchmaking. We're like obsessed with matching people. Like we're literally always on the phone. Like, Oh yeah, I'm setting up this person with this person. Yes. And uh, one night we were out to dinner with some people and we were asking the, like the guys at the table, we were like, so like, what's the number one thing that you're looking for in another girl or in a girl? And like, it was a collective once again, like the guys on the podcast, they mm. were all like, I want a girl who's like chasing after her dreams, like wholeheartedly. Mm. And we just thought that was so true that so many people, so many of us women are half-heartedly like following these wholehearted dreams like all of our heart feels like this calling to like step into this thing and I think like God isn't always looking for half of our heart like he's looking for our whole heart and a lot of these things that we want to do are going to call all of us like it's not just like a piece Mm. of us it's going to be the whole picture for a couple Mm. of years and so I think like so many of us we 
we don't, we're afraid of giving like all of ourselves to something like we want to put all of our eggs in like 10 different baskets. But I think there's power in putting all your eggs in one basket and having trust of like what can happen on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think like something that uh, we were just talking about earlier is that like, you know, especially when it comes to relationships, like you were talking about cat, like so many people see it as like the end all be all. But we always say that like your relationship should feel like a gift and not an accomplishment. Like a relationship should feel like the cherry on top of a life and like a purpose well lived. It's not the end all be all. Like it can't be something that you're achieving and accomplishing. It's something that's like a gift and added layer to like a life that you fully stepped into. And Mm. so stepping into your passions and like wholeheartedly going into these things that you feel called to do or led to do, like it is so fun, so worth it. Like if our lives can be an example of that at all, Mm. it's just that like, you know, we've both fully committed to delight into this journey and, um, honestly have kind of put relationships and dating probably on the back burner, Mm. but have had so much fun. And it's like cool to see that God still sees those desires, I think in our hearts, but at the same time has like really blessed us kind of putting all our eggs in this one basket, just of like Mm. what's happened because of it. Yeah. Like pursuing your passion and your singleness is honestly like a win-win. You're not only like, Mm. are guys more going to be more attracted to you because you're pursuing your dreams, but also your life is going to be making a huge kingdom impact. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's nothing better to do that. It's a cherry on top. So, yeah. That's so good. I love how Tim Keller kind of talks about calling. He talks about affinity, ability, and opportunity. And I think that goes so in line with like stepping into like, what are, what's passion? Like, what are those things that light you up? Like, Like, what are the things like when you talk about them, like your face gets animated, you, your, your heart rate starts beating up and you're like using your hands all over the place to describe it. Like what's an affinity? Like where are pain points that you see? What are needs around you? Ability. Yeah. Are you good at it? <laughs> like, yeah. well, you can want to be the next Taylor Swift as much as <laughs> you want, but if you have a terrible voice and can't play the guitar, like that's probably not what you need to be stepping into. And then yeah. there's their opportunity for it. And I think so much of what you're saying, like step into your passion. I think there's this fear of, well, what if it doesn't work out? Then what? Like, what if you pursue Delight Ministries and then it doesn't happen? Well, you're never going to know that if you don't try. Yeah, exactly. You like, I think we have to be willing, like we have to be willing to fail and to fumble and for life to be messy because it's just gonna, even if you're, even if you're like pursuing the passion and in the space that God has you, like it's going to be messy because we're humans and such is life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. totally. And you'll grow in the process, which yeah. that's so important, especially when we're young like this, like, you know, it's so important to like mess up a couple of times and get back up and try it again. Like we have the opportunity for that sort of like risk. Yeah. It's like the most human experience is blowing it. (laughs) Isn't that like why we need God? Because we're constantly like, well, well, tried that. Okay. That didn't work. God, will you help me? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is so helpful and so encouraging ladies. If you have like, like, let's just say if, if there's like one thing that you would want a person listening to this episode to take away for both of you, what would that be? Ooh, good question. Um, Ooh, I know one that we talk about a lot of times. Okay, I think I was on the same page. You go for it. Wait, which one? Oh, I hope we're like really vibing right now. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm scared. You need to say it. You say it, you say it. Okay, we say this a lot, um, and I think it's so true. Um, yeah. I think there's so much beauty in stepping into your calling alongside another person. Um, there's so much power in friendship and relationship and people that you can dream right alongside. And uh, I think it's interesting. That's the first time you've had two people on your podcast. Cause like Ken's and I are truly like such a partnership and like in the mm. places where I fall short in the places in the, on the days where like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do yeah. these 
five things we just talked about. Like she's mm-hmm. like hype and ready to go. And I honestly know and believe that like this calling of delight wouldn't have happened without the joining together of the two of us. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of us are like so obsessed with like, um, you know, a marriage, but I think there's such beauty and like a partnership when it comes to passions. And mm-hmm. it's not always going to be like, maybe what Ken's and I's relationship is looked like, but like, it is so fun to dream alongside another person and to like have people that support you and your calling and your passions. Um, and so like, if you're like scared to step into something, like our biggest piece of advice is go find somebody who's passionate about the same thing you are mm-hmm. and like step into it together. Like why not? Yes. So yeah. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you guys are totally vibing. I love we're it. Everywhere. Besties yeah. for the resties, just reading each other's minds. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, ladies, I just am so grateful for your time and your insight and just love chatting with y'all. Yeah. Can you let people know where can they find you? Where can they follow along with what you're up to and get involved? Yes. So you can find us. It's Delight Ministries. Our Instagram is at Delight Ministries. Our website is delightministries.com. You'll find everything there. Um, If you want to listen to our podcast, you can find it on any platform. Um, And more importantly, too, if you're in college and looking for a Christ-centered community, we would love for you to either find a delight on your campus. You can find them on our website, or if there's not one there, you can start one, which is like a he- makes a huge impact on your campus. And it's a super fun process to get it started. So we would love to talk to anybody about that. That's like our heart and soul and favorite thing to do. Yeah. And then our, as I say, the one last thing is our book. Um, we have a book, How to Prepare for Your Future Love Story, that is really takes like a deeper look into these five things. And so like if mm. something kind of sparked in your heart or in your soul today, like this is a great resource. It's a workbook. So you really like dive in, dig in, and like are going to be like writing things all over the paper. So um, it's a great resource too. Amazing. I love it. So good, girls. Well, um, I hope I get to see you guys soon in real life. I feel like everyone that I have on my podcast, I'm like, so are we best friends now? Yeah, (laughs) we are. We're best friends now, right? Yes. (laughs) I can't wait to hang. We're going to have to do a New York hang and a Nashville hang. We actually love New York. When we wrote this book, How to Prepare for Your Future Love Story, we went to New York to write it because we wanted to be (gasps) in like a fun, creative space. Yes. Yes, I <laughs> love that. That makes me so happy. Yay. Well, all right, ladies. Thank you. We love all the things you do. Well, thanks. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes, search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search The Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.